Bikini Smith. In 2009, while going through a divorce, I decided to jump straight into entrepreneurship. In 2012, I lost my sister and asked myself, what legacy do I want to leave behind? Since then, I've become a serial entrepreneur, helping other women publish their books, produce their podcasts, and reach their big goals to walk in their greatness. I realized the importance of sharing our stories of resilience and how it can be another's guide to walk in a manner worthy of their calling. We are blessed to be a blessing. So get ready to be blessed with an inspiring testimony. Hey, Faith Walkers, thank you for joining us on the Walk of My Stilettos podcast, where we have conversations with amazing women that are letting us step into their shoes. I help women to strengthen their resilience muscle, own their stories, and conquer their fears so they can reach their goals. I get inspired when I see another woman succeeding, but what interests me more is her backstory and her mindset on how she got there. So today's guest is about to bless us with her testimony, and since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. Today, we have Christy L. Jackson. She is a White House recognized innovator and entrepreneur. She's an author, publisher, and global business strategist. Christy is the founder of Women CEO Project, helping women build a six figure plus coaching business. She works with current and aspiring coaches and services professionals on crafting profitable business development initiatives, a focused sales strategy, and a results-oriented online marketing plan. Please welcome to the show, Christy Jackson. Thank you for having me. Thank you for agreeing to come on and to share your story with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I've been following you for a long time now on social media, and I love everything that I see you put out and how you inspire women in business. So I just want to say thank you so much. And I've I've been waiting to do this interview. So I am truly honored that oh. you said yes. So thank you so much. Well, thank you for telling me that. I had no idea. <laughs> I love when I see women who are not only doing their own thing, you're leading by example, but the content that you put out to help other people build, you know, you, you show so many things, you share different aspects of, you know, even your own journey. And like I said, because I've been following you for so long, I've even seen the growth in your journey online on, on Instagram. And I, heard such amazing things about you from some mutual friends. So I believe that as women, we have all these different titles that we go by. And a title that's not given enough significance is our name, because our names have meaning. And every time someone says your name, they're declaring that meaning to you. And I'm really big on affirmations and declarations. So I would love to know, Christy, do you know what your name means? Yes, my name ending in an I means follower of Christ. I looked it up some years ago when I was looking up my husband's name. I said, well, let me look up mine too. I never knew. <laughs> so um, it can mean something totally different if there's a Y or if it's spelled with a C-H, but mine means follower of Christ. I love it. Absolutely love it. I also believe that especially, you know, as women who are doing all these amazing things, we have been able to really tap into the the vision that has been given to us. And as children, you know, we we think so vividly and we have these vivid imaginations of what we want to be. And then as we get older, you know, society and family and people unintentionally start to limit our beliefs. So I love to ask 
you ladies? Like, what did you want to be as a little girl before I get into where you are currently? Uh, The first thing that I recall mentioning to my mom was an archaeologist. Um, Mm -hmm. I was very much so a tomboy. I was in the dirt. I was playing. I was outside. I grew up on a, it's a little bit more than a half acre in Louisiana. And there was plenty of yard to dig up. I just, as a little girl, it just felt like it was the biggest place in the world. Just having that much, we were on the corner and just having that much yard in the front and in the back. So I had plenty of space to dig and to find things. And I was a very curious and inquisitive child. I felt like all these shows I watched about dinosaurs and bones and fossils that I definitely, <laughs> we couldn't have this much yard and not have dinosaur bones in our yard. So, I mean, that's right. what I could be caught doing as a little girl. I played a lot of sports, but I was very interested in sciences and being traveling the world and possibly, you know, just finding dinosaur bones. No one would ever imagine that until I say that because I don't look like a person who would be in the dirt a lot, you know, looking for dinosaur bones. But that was the first job that I told my mom I wanted to do. I I love it. Like even when you said you used to be a tomboy, I'm like, I love it (laughs) because I used to be a tomboy, you know? So when when people look at your photos online or see you anywhere, they would never guess that, you know, you're always so put together, you know, so beautifully polished. And I I love it. I love it. So yes, I was a tomboy. <laughs> it's amazing my legs aren't messed up now. <laughs> yes. I love it. Even when I tell like my kids stories of how I used to climb trees and catch frogs and play in the dirt, they look at me like, who, you? <laughs> Which mom? <laughs> right? <laughs> I love it. I love yes. it. <laughs> so how did you get into coaching coaches? Well, hmm. so I've been coaching now for 10 years. And just made my 10 years recently uh, in August. Thank you. And I would say probably about two to three years in, my roster started being heavily uh, coaches. And Mm -hmm. then uh, let's say five years, six years in, it would be like 40, 45% of my coaching roster are people who want to be a coach. And so at this point now, in the last two or three years, my roster is mostly, I would say, about 80% coaches and about 20% service professionals. I had my my VA. I typically never get to meet my VAs, but my current VA lives in Dallas, which is four hours away. So she came and Mm -hmm. stayed at my house uh, about a week and a half ago so we could work on a lot of things at once, systems, processes, everything within the business. And... She was like, she were going through and adding up the, the, my numbers for speaking. And then we're going through and putting together systems for my coaching clients. And she was like, which one do you like to do most? Do you like to be on the stage most or do you like to coach most? And I said, you know what? This getting on the stage is to fill my coaching. I actually prefer to coach. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. I never had to get on the stage to coach, I could skip that part. I really love working with women day in and day out and helping them to actually make money. And I point that out because so many businesses that we start or go into, we are so, we are deathly afraid to say that we are in it to make money. And I don't, right. I don't understand the, the, the fear of that. You know, we know that we need money to live. We know that we need money to survive. We are at least quoting and posting quotes about abundance 
and yep. thriving yep. <laughs> and being successful. Well, you mm-hmm. need to have a roof over your head to be successful, which means you need money. You need to right. have shoes. You need to have health <laughs> You know, so all of these things cost money, but we are so scared. It's been tainted. We've been taught not to say that, hey, the main reason um, I'm in this business is money. The second mm-hmm. reason is I really want to help people. They're about neck and neck. But mm-hmm. if I was helping people and it did not make any money, I would call that a nonprofit. I would do that in my leisure time. And I would still focus on something that could help me be prosper- uh, prosperous and something that could right. help me thrive. I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. You know, men are taught to uh, seek things that are profitable so that they can take care of their family. Mm-hmm. They are taught to seek and create and build and strive for positions in their jobs so that they can be a better provider for their family. You know, mm-hmm. so why is it wrong for us to say, hey, actually, I started this business. I'm really good at X, Y, Z. I'm able to make a massive change and impact in these women's businesses and help them to make money as well. And I like for one mm-hmm. of their focuses to also be money. Okay. Because mm-hmm. women get into this dungeon of, oh, I just want to help people. I just want to help people. You're not even <laughs> helping yourself. You know, how can you right. help people if you're poor? Right. But see, and you know? that, that you just, you just said it right there. A lot of us are programmed, especially growing up as women, we were programmed with this idea that money is bad or we shouldn't speak of money. And I've, I've heard from so many women that will say things about, oh, well, I don't need a lot of money. I don't want this. I don't want that. But then they want to serve. They, they are very big on philanthropy. But what if there's anything I've learned from my mentors that money is a reward for service. You know, the greater you are at serving, the more money you should be making. The adding, um, it's like, you know, when you talk about abundance and manifestation, like when you do these things, you should be getting money in return. If, if those people want to serve on a large scale or they want to help people, you can help more people if you have money. Yes. You can actually fund projects that you believe in. You know, yes. it's been such an interesting, stressful year, you mm-hmm. know, uh, with everything that has happened with race relations and the economy and coronavirus and everything. I remember telling my husband that I, I, I maybe will retire in a couple of years. I work for I, I for the love of the work at this mm-hmm. point. And this Mm -hmm. is the first time in my life where it was that way. And so I told him, I said, you know, I think I'll retire in a few years, you know, Mm -hmm. and then this year happened. And I said, you know what? I've changed my mind. Maybe (laughs) my activism will be to help women to make money so that they can they can support the causes that they believe in. Some people are on the front line and they fight and some people fund the fight. I will be a funder of the fight. Right, right. I love that. I love that. So what was the intention when you first began Women's CEO Project? Because I, kn- I know that especially uh, as women, we'll, we'll start a thing with the intention of it being one way, but then it may turn out to be another. So I would love to know what was the intention when you first began Women's CEO Project? Well, when I started Women's CEO Project, it was the absolute worst time in my life. I point that out because so many women come to me with, okay, I need to wait for the perfect time. I need to wait for my child to go to college. I need to wait until they go to high school. I need to wait until, you know, it's all these things. Mm -hmm. All of those are 
It's, all those are, are excuses. Excuses. Yeah. Okay. That's a procrastination technique. Okay. Um, a pretty poor one, but that's a procrastination technique. We're pushing life off until a later date. Mm-hmm. I realize that I'm probably going to always be busy as long as I run a business. Mm-hmm. And that was a hard pill to swallow. I, I realized that actually about this year, um, because I'm, I'm a year and a few months into marriage and I got busier and it's like, wow, I hate being busy all the time, but it's like, this is, these are, I have to look at what I chose and kind of what I'm doing. And mm-hmm. so I could back out of it or I can just come to grips with the fact that I'm going to kind of be a busy person. But when I started Women's CEO Project, it was absolutely the wrong time in my life. My mother had been recently diagnosed with brain cancer. I was a real estate broker. I was five, maybe five, six years into real estate. I had just become a broker and I had new agents under my brokerage. That is extremely stressful mm-hmm. because when they are, when an agent is under a brokerage, if they do something wrong or that would cause them to get sued, the lawsuit says Jackson Realty and Investments. Right. Then I have to go about collecting. If, they, if, if someone wins a suit, I'd have to go about collecting the money from the agent. The agent is broke. Mm. So that means that I would have to pay the suit. So you actually have people under you who you're sending out every day, hoping that they do not break any rules, that they do everything to the T because it could cost you your whole business and any of your savings. Right. Okay. So it's very stressful. I had that going on. I had just moved into a brand new office space. And that office space was, I remember it was $1,800 a month. And that was a lot for me. That Mm -hmm. was a lot for me. I was maybe about 28, somewhere around there, maybe about 28. Mom is sick. I have new agents. The day I moved into the office was August 30th of 2010. I started Women's CEO Project August 31st of 2010, the very next day. To say that it was a bad time is an understatement. However, I just felt like I couldn't go on with what how things were going. I couldn't go on any further with how things were going. And basically, I felt like I had an MBA at this point, but I felt like I needed to learn how to be a consummate business professional. Mm-hmm. I needed to know how to do tactical and practical things. It's like, you know, when people go to medical school and they're taught the book knowledge, that's so different than the actual residency where they're actually application of the knowledge. Yes. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. going to grad school, yeah, we're taught the book stuff, but none of my teachers had ever started a business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, okay. They're teaching me about business and economics from a book, but none of you have ever used this in real life which is bothersome. Like, how is this mm-hmm. helping me? Mm-hmm. And so I left grad school, graduated magna cum laude, but I'm not any further. My knowledge as a businesswoman was not any further. So I decided after complaining and going to every, I went to every woman's organization here in Houston. I went to the Hispanic. I went to the Asian. I went every, the Turkish women, everything. Mm-hmm. And I was just not finding what I was looking for. It was very clickish you know, kind of off into groups. I never fit into clicks. So of course Mm -hmm. that rubbed me the wrong way. And (laughs) there was no real information being passed. You know, the business segment of the the luncheon or whatnot would be someone who's paid to come in and talk about their insurance company. So I'm like, oh my God. So 
I've scraped together another $50, another $75 to attend this event. And I'm leaving empty handed yet again. So I decided to start it. When I came home that evening after going to another luncheon, I started, I'm like, right now, not tomorrow, not when I don't have agents, not Mm -hmm. when mom is better today. And so that's when I started Women's CEO Project. Initially, I had absolutely no plans on being the headliner. None. Less than zero. No (laughs) plans on it at all. I was going to be Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey, you know how he would bring out the kings of comedy? He would like introduce them and bring them out. I had every intention and my little draft structure of Women's CEO Project initially was I was going to find speakers, teachers to come in and present to us. That is what I did for the first year. We had over 80 events the first year. I literally almost had a breakdown because I was so tired. I wasn't sleeping. I was in and out of the hospital multiple times a week with my mom and my dad. Everything was going on. Okay. And I'm having three and four events in my office every week. Every week. I'm paying speakers out of my pocket. Um, I did not charge for the first full year. (gasps) Yes. That is why I tell people you need to charge. You need to charge from day one. I did not charge. My accountant was like, you're going to go broke. You're, you're, everything's leaning on your real estate. Everything's mm-hmm. leaning on it. You know, if you help your parents, that's leaning on real estate. If you do pay a speaker for this new hobby, as she said at the time, it's leaning on real estate. So within about a year, a little, a little over a year and something, I got invited to the White House and for my work mm-hmm. for Women's CEO Project. And wow. I was there for three days. I had just an out-of-body experience, honestly. I felt <laughs> amazing. You know, I kept thinking at any moment that I would get called and, oh, wow, this was a mistake. I don't know how we actually, <laughs> I know that sounds super modest. I'm being so serious. It wasn't the until, imposter syndrome. <laughs> yes. You know how mm-hmm. um, on Scandal they had that guy at the check in, that little check in, little booth? It wasn't. And <laughs> no. it's was so funny because they picked a guy that looked just like him. <laughs> I was like, you, are you on the show? When I passed him, is when I was like, no, he checked all my stuff. I'm supposed to be here. Wow. Right? It wasn't until then, and I broke down. I'm passing him, and I'm breaking down, and I'm trying to gather Mm -hmm. myself. I'm super early. I got there so early that they actually, they were like, ma'am, you can't come in more than two hours early. It's the White House. (laughs) So I sat on like the steps of a building across the street and just waited. I was there so early. But once I passed him and I, I got in and everything, I was just, it was an amazing day. But I went to the White House, was getting recognized for my work to better the lives of women in the country, and I had no website. Hmm. I had no say website. No, please say that I had again. Please no say website. that again. <laughs> People think that they need everything perfectly done to make money, to make change, to make moves. Mm-hmm. I was in the White House with no website. We had a meetup mm. page on meetup.com, no website. I love it. I wasn't charging for women CEO. Everything structurally was wrong, but I was helping a lot of women. I was. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm. 
And so while I was there for the three days, I, I just booked myself two more days while I was there because the whole thing with the White House was only one day. I walked around D.C. by myself for two days. And during that time, I decided when I get back to Houston, this will be turned into a full-fledged business. No more hobby, no more going at it like a hobby. I'm going to have to start charging everything. I went from having events where I have like 60, 70 seats because I've purchased all of these from um, Ikea. Full, mm-hmm. full. Every every seat available in my office full for every single event that I'm having to as soon as I start charging my next event, I had four people. Guess wow. what I started charging per month? I'm sure it was something minimal too. $12. $12. And I went from being packed and looking for chairs and couches to four people, four. And I was put in a position where it was like, okay, babes, you can quit. Or you can start and build this thing all over again. I'm sitting here with my little White House recognition and no one's coming to my event. Mm-hmm. Because I now have a cost. Now they want to question it to death. I was the best thing since sliced bread when it was free. free but yep. now that it's $12 a month, I'm talking about the interrogation and the vetting was on level 2700 You know, And I was ready for it, but I was just amazed. I'm like, it's the same stuff you've been coming to. It's just now mm-hmm. it has a cost to it. And so right. people stopped coming. I, I had to rebuild everything completely over. Now it has a wow. charge. Now I think I'm going to get a website done. I mean, all of this happened. So that is how I started Women's CEO Project. And then around that time, I got a coach. I got a coach. Her name was Star Hall. She's the first coach that I got for Women's CEO Project. She was my second coach that I ever had. I got a real estate coach some years before, but Star was my first women CEO project coach. And she was a great coach. She doesn't do coaching anymore. She's done 27 different careers since then in those 10 years. But um, (laughs) she was a really good coach for me. And Mm -hmm. after one of our sessions, she said to me, it's very end of our session. She said, why aren't you coaching? She's like, isn't that what she went to school for? To be a consultant? My master's, Mm. I went, my Mm -hmm. master's is, I went to school to be a consultant, a business consultant. And I said, yeah. She said, didn't you graduate, graduate like really high in your class? I said, yeah, (laughs) number two. (laughs) You know, by the way, number two. Yeah. (laughs) And she was like, you have really good thoughts and strategies, the way you put things together. Why aren't you coaching people? I had no answer for her. When we finished that session, it was like light, sunlight coming in through the window. I sat in the same spot until it was dark. I was just sitting there thinking. I had so much imposter syndrome. I had so many fears and doubts. I had so much like, well, what if it doesn't work for her? Could I get sued? What are they going to think if Mm -hmm. I coach this woman and it doesn't work? And that, that was one of the questions I asked her in the next session. And she was like, Christy, I tell you to do things and you do about 85% of them. Right. I'm not responsible for that 15 that you don't do. Exactly. You know, I gave it to you, you know, and I said, you know what? You're right. That night, though, after when I finally got up from my my couch, I started working on an ebook. I put it out in about two days, my first ebook, and I started calling myself a coach. Mm. That is how I became a coach. It was like a year and a half, uh, maybe 18, 19 months into Women's CEO Project. And then um, I just went from there. 
I started getting clients pretty quickly. I can't lie and say, hey, it took me years or no, it didn't. Mm-mm. Right. There's always someone willing to pay for what you know right now. Mm-hmm. And you plus, know, I'd already built a reputation in Houston as a pretty solid business person with my real estate. Mm-hmm. And so, and I was already marketing that. I was learning how to market on my own. And so I was marketing a lot with that. And so, you know, once I said I was going to do coaching or whatnot, I immediately got this doctor who was a friend of mine. She was the first person to pay me. I love so many parts of that. St- like there are so many lessons in the mm-hmm. story that you just told about your journey. So I really hope the women listening are are taking note. But like, even when you first started talking and you were talking about the excuses that women will make, you know, they'll do things when they get this or when they get that. And, you know, something I ask my clients all the time is, are you interested or are you committed? Because if you're interested, you will find every excuse under the sun to tell yourself why you can't do the thing. But if you're committed, you will do whatever it takes. And you did whatever it takes, you know, to get things done. And the fact that you started your business at a time when, you know, your mother was ill, you were building as a real estate broker. And mind you, I get it. I did real estate full time for six years. So (laughs) I know, (laughs) I know that 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 is not easy. Um, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure that the laws sound a little different in Houston than they are here in Canada, because, you know, you having to take on that liability, if they mess up, you know, here we pay liability insurance. So, you know, our, our broker doesn't have to deal with that cost if we mess up, but you had all of that stress on your head and you still started this movement to help other people. And you were doing it for free at the time because you genuinely wanted to help and you were helping so many people. And like you said, when you put a dollar amount on it and people stop showing up, like we see that everywhere. And there are so many women doubting their business because people are not showing up because they put a price on it. It doesn't mean that what you are offering isn't valuable. So, you know, I just want the women that are listening to take those lessons from your story. There's Mm -hmm. like so many lessons in there. I'm just thinking like, even when you, spoke earlier about you were thinking of retiring soon and then COVID mm-hmm. hit. Like there's, there's so many, so many lessons to gain from your story. So I would actually love if you could share, you know, what has the journey been like for you since the pandemic? Has it affected how you serve? Hmm. Um, no, no. I've been telling people to get online for years. So mm-hmm. I am an extreme introvert and I don't come across as an extreme introvert because being an extreme introvert, we think that that has something to do with our goals. And it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, we think that that's, oh, wait, that's the crutch I'm leaning on today. Mm-hmm. Look, I got to talk to make money. I got to get out there. I got a brand mm-hmm. to make money. You know, I have to really show up, show out to make money. I can't lean on, well, I'm an introvert. So that gives me an out on marketing myself. That mm-hmm. gives me an out on using the number one tool to market myself, aka video. Mm-hmm. Okay, who cares that I'm an introvert? You know, my husband didn't know I was so much of an introvert until we got engaged and moved in together. Because he sees me, you know, we're we're hanging out or whatnot. He sees me on stage. He sees me at my events, you know. And then we start living together. And it's like, hey, you want to come hang with um, my friends? No, no. Hey, you know, do you want XYZ to come over for dinner? No, please no. Um, Do you want to go do it? He was like, wow. He's like, you really prefer to be at home 
<laughs> and and it's true. <laughs> I'm dying of laughter here because I'm an extreme introvert as well. So I've shared on this show a million times. So I love when I hear women like yourself say the same thing. I'm like, yes, see, it is possible. You can be, yes. you know, building your personal brand or building things out here and be introverted. People don't get it. They're like, oh, you can't be an yes. introvert. You know, you're on social media, you're this, you're that. I'm like, no, no, you don't get it. I, I'm an introvert. I prefer my own company. I don't exactly. want to go nowhere. I would re- like <laughs> I, COVID. The fact that we don't have to go to any events here because events can't happen in person. I was like, woof, yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it's so funny because like our life didn't change much. Kevin right. was like, it doesn't feel like we're in quarantine. Like we don't. Our life was very similar. I've been online forever. I've been selling digital products. I've been increasing the way I put my systems and automation together and sales funnels and stuff like that. The only thing that I can say that I did was I ramped it up. Mm-hmm. I had my uh, second business retreat. I do luxury business retreats. And I had my second one in Costa Rica. I did the first one in Johannesburg, South Africa in September last year. I did the second one in Costa Rica in March uh, this year. Mm-hmm. And so we got back from Costa Rica on March 11th. Quarantine mm-hmm. started two days later. Wow. we just come from out of town. And I told Kevin, I said, you know what? I've never been in a quarantine. I don't know anyone alive who's been through a quarantine. I don't know if my business is going to be one of the ones affected because coaching, I didn't know if people would look at it as a luxury or more of a necessity. So I right. told him, I said, I don't know what this is going to look like. But I'm going to step it up. He said the same thing. Okay. When interest rates drop, my husband owns the largest uh, black owned appraisal company in the U.S. Amazing. And so he has staff, all that they do. So like you get in a house or a building appraised, somebody has to go out and tell you how much it's worth. That's what his company does. So Mm -hmm. when interest rates go down, people buy more homes. People refinance, stuff like that. So that made his office go uh, get extremely busy because the banks that they're going to refinance, they need to know how much that home is worth that they're about to refinance, right? Mm-hmm. So they need a fresh appraisal. So he got busy and then I decided to step it up. We were getting up at four o'clock every day. Every day, this man and I were in the office working as if rent was due and we don't have it. hmm what ended up happening is that both of our businesses exploded. That's the best wow. way I can put it. Both of our wow. businesses exploded. And I'm pretty amazed. This is my best year in business so far. COVID. Wow. COVID year. Amazing. Mm-hmm. I, I love hearing stories like that. I love, love hearing stories like that because especially for entrepreneur women that are already online. Um, Mm -hmm. I found the commonality has been since COVID, their business has done extremely well. The majority of the people that are, I'm going to say, struggling with this season of COVID with their finances and their business are people that were working for somebody or working a nine to five or have never done, you know, they've never had an online presence or anything like that. Like I, I find women like yourself who have been doing this are doing amazing right now in this season. So I just love to hear that. Um, yeah. I've had, <laughs> even when you said that you came back from Costa Rica 
um, in March and then you guys went on lockdown, the exact same thing happened to me here where uh, I was in Keokoko, Cuba, and I came back on March 5th and we went into lockdown. The kids we were notified that March break was being extended. They weren't going to go back to school right away on March 6th. That was like the next day. And then at first, my coaching, I had a couple of clients that when we first got hit with the pandemic, they're like, I'm not sure of my finances. I don't know what I'm mm-hmm. going to do. And mm-hmm. everything paused for maybe like two, three weeks. And then all of a sudden, business went through the roof for me where I did more business in the first 60 days of COVID than I did all of 2019. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think it's great for women to hear these stories, to know what mm-hmm. is possible, especially where, you know, you mentioned before, where we often make excuses of why we can't do a thing or whatever, you know, so you've mentioned you starting when your mom was ill, like I, I started as an entrepreneur, as a single mom of three, like there's so many things on mm-hmm. the table, but if you are committed to making something work, you will do whatever it takes you know, yes, us you being will. introverts has not stopped us from doing business, yep. you know, all, mm-hmm. all of the things that people use as excuses, they're not an excuse. Like get Mm -hmm. out of your own way, get out of your head and take action. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So my bills didn't know I was an introvert. They were like, you still gotta get paid. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, these kids still gotta eat. They don't care if I'm an introvert. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) So what advice would you give to a woman that is building a business and looking to attract clients or get conversions? A couple different things. First, I would tell her to get clear on who she's going to help. I do about six to 10 discovery calls on Mondays and Tuesdays uh, every week. And I would say about 80% of those women are all over the place. Discovery calls are about 45 minutes. Someone can pop on and pick my brain. Okay. And I would say the majority of those calls are, they're all over the place. Not like they're not serious, but, oh, I have 10 businesses type of thing. Oh, I have all Mm -hmm. these interests and I'm trying to figure out how to combine all of these interests. Maybe you don't need to combine all of those interests. Or they're trying to turn a nonprofit, which would be, they're trying to turn something that should be a nonprofit into a business. Right. And they're wondering why it's not making money. So those types of things. So I would advise her to get the utmost clarity that she can on what she's going to offer, who she's going to offer it to, and how she's going to offer it to them. And what's the transformation that they can be looking for from her offer. And Mm -hmm. I would make it clear, clear, clear. The book that I would read is Building Your Brand Story by Donald Miller. Building Your Story Brand. Building Your Story Brand, I think is it. It's amazing. I I suggest this book every day and I don't remember the exact title. But it's like Building Your Brand Story. (laughs) Uh, Oh, you haven't read it? Oh, you're going to love it. That is going on my list right now. (laughs) Okay, let's talk about it. So... That is one of the best books that I've read about brand and marketing clarity, probably ever. And I read it last year, uh, towards the end of last year. By the time I got to page 24, 24, I had to put the, put the book down and start making changes in my uh, marketing. Mm. I couldn't continue. I had to put it down because I had so many ideas about how I may have, even with the success that I was having, I was still confusing my client a little bit. Mm. So I said, let me take retail off of there. Coaches, 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 coaches. If a service pro comes to me, yes, I can, I can take care of you just like I can a coach. 
because I still do a lot of, you know, service professionals. But Mm -hmm. let me just make it really, really, really clear. A lot of times we don't want to get really clear because we think it's going to reduce our money. We think that we're going to make less. Yes. When I niched in real estate, that's when I became a a million dollar real estate agent. Mm -hmm. That's how I had money to lose and to invest in getting that office and agents and all that. That came from real estate, you know, but I niched and I picked to only go after international buyers spending 500,000 and up cash only. That's a niche, you know, and yeah, I did yeah. not do any loans. I didn't do any of that. You had to be buying cash, you know? And again, people were looking at me like, you're not going to make it. You're going to die. You're going to drown. Please. Wow. I was doing great. I was doing great. You know, people and so, always project their own doubts onto people because they, they don't believe that they can do it. So yep. they're like, yeah, there's no way you can do it. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. you're going to, you're already, you're going to struggle. You're going to struggle as, as a realtor. And I actually, I had a real estate coach. My first coach was a real estate coach and she suggested it and I, I thrived, mm-hmm. but I would suggest reading that book because he helps you to get abundantly clear on who you're going after. A confused viewer does not become a buyer. Okay. Right. And a lot of times in our marketing and our messages, it's not clear. And our viewer is so confused on what you're going to offer, what you're going to do for them. How is it going to affect them? What's the transformation going to be? And then they don't buy. They don't buy from you. So that is an excellent book. That is the first thing I would do is get that book, read that book so that you can get really clear on your offer and your message. Next thing I would do is I would market myself like crazy. When I say market myself like crazy, I don't mean posting a picture of yourself with a quote every day. That's so boring. Mm -hmm. That Mm -hmm. used to work. It's so boring. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. like, let's do something else. But Mm -hmm. if you are, think about your audience, think about the community that you're trying to build. What information are they requesting? What do they need? I know that my coaches have the most trouble with getting clients to pay their fee, marketing and making sales. So Mm -hmm. I make sure I don't need to ask you every day. I know that's what she's having trouble with. So I don't need to put a quote up every day. We think we're going to quote ourselves to becoming a millionaire. Mm -hmm. No, she read your (laughs) quote. She read your quote and a bunch of other quotes. Doesn't mean that she's going to pay you, you know, two, three, four thousand dollars to coach her from your quote. She needs to see that, you know, what you're talking about. You know, yes, you can solve her problem. And so I would get very, very clear on what I'm offering. And then I would market myself. I would market myself and leverage every tool available to me. I would be leveraging Instagram. I would be leveraging LinkedIn, YouTube, Pinterest, Twitter. Mm, I would have a Twitter account just for research. Twitter actually is my favorite social media platform, but it isn't as useful as it used to be as far as getting clients for a lot of people. If you're already on Twitter and you have a massive community, don't listen to that. Continue. (laughs) Um, But if you haven't created a community on Twitter yet, I would spend that time on some of those other platforms like Instagram, uh, YouTube, uh, Pinterest, LinkedIn. A lot of people sleep on LinkedIn. If you have Mm -hmm. a very professional type of business, you need to be heavily on LinkedIn. A lot of people sleep on Pinterest. Pinterest is over 88% female profiles. So if your client is a female, you need to be on Pinterest. Plus Pinterest is the platform that people make the most purchases from. Instagram mm. is gaining up on Pinterest with those shoppable posts. But Pinterest has been leading for years as a platform that people go to Pinterest, they see something and they buy it. Right. So if you have products 
and services or whatnot, you need to have them on Pinterest. On Instagram, Instagram is the OG. Instagram is <laughs> starts like doing a little something. Instagram is like, bet, reels, we got yep. you. Okay. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Instagram is amazing. Instagram took me to seven figures. Mm. Instagram is the reason. Okay. Now, granted, my proposal writing didn't hurt as well. My proposal writing bought my house, you know, mm. but I consider that to be business development. It's one of the things I help my, my clients with. But you want to leverage every marketing tool at your disposal. Leverage it, leverage it and max it out to see which two to three marketing platforms need to get the majority of your time. But you don't know by posting once then you're scared because you don't want people to think that you're really in business in case you fail. (laughs) So you don't post again for another month. And so you're not even, yes, you're Mm -hmm. not even able to see your statistics because you don't have enough content to to see uh, statistics. You're Mm -hmm. not posting enough. You're not consistent enough to see your numbers and see what actually would work. So I would make sure I understand my niche. I would market myself and then I would get receipts. Okay. Mm. Receipts, receipts, receipts. I have a page on my website that is nothing but video testimonials. Mm-hmm. That's it. You can go to that page and by end of Friday, it should be about 50 video testimonials on there. We're adding some every day. I have a new website. Amazing. I haven't announced it yet because we're still tinkering and pushing every button. But one page is full of testimonials. If you heard one person, you could say, maybe that's her friend. She could be lying. Watch 50 right. videos though. <laughs> watch right. 50 videos so right. you're gonna see something that may be similar to the transformation you're trying to get on my testimonial page all these women are coming from different statuses environments incomes you know married single single mom everything and then you can see okay well this lady was able to see this transformation this lady was able to have this type of transformation so I would make sure that I get receipts I'm not hiring you if you don't have receipts, period, point blank. If you, right. if I'm your, your test case, it better be free. And I still probably won't work with you. <laughs> right. You know, people yeah. are so ready to get paid that they haven't even gotten experience. Like, how do you know you're going to be able to help me do X, Y, Z? I can put mm-hmm. out my sponsorship prices on my events because I know I'm going to bust my butt to get X, Y, Z amount of people there. And this isn't my first rodeo. This is my fifth. 15th one in three years. Mm-hmm. 15th. Okay. So I do them over and over and over. We get better. We have some numbers to measure. You know, <laughs> I'm getting yeah. receipts along the way that's helping more people to come. So I can tell you, hey, it's going to be a minimum of this many people there. Okay. Right. If that minimum is great for you, and this is this is the demographics, these are the demographics of my potential, uh, my person that comes. She typically is a buyer. So, you know, if that's good enough for you, cool. If I get over those numbers, it's gravy. But these are the right. minimums. I hit my minimums within about three months of this year because I started mm-hmm. marketing it when last year ended, last year, Global, uh, global Power Tour. So that's what I would tell a new um, entrepreneur to do. Find your niche, understand clearly, understand and be able to articulate clearly what you offer, market yourself, market yourself heavily and get receipts. Yeah. You just gave like a whole ton of gems. So I hope they were listening clearly. I hope they are taking notes. If they are listening mm-hmm. while they're driving, hope they screenshot it so they can go back <laughs> and remember <laughs> to write things down later. And actually, so 
before we go to the final segment, why don't you tell people where they can stay connected with you online so they know where to go to get more information? A good place is my website, which is womenceoproject.com. That's also the Instagram, Women CEO Project. Those two places right there, you will find me and you will stay up to date on everything that's going on, everything that's being offered. I have two new programs that are coming for coaches. So you definitely see that between the website and also on the Instagram page. Perfect. Perfect. So I will make sure that I will have the direct links in the detailed section so they don't have to search too far. They can just click to connect with you directly. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. So the final segment, I call it a walk in her wisdom. And it's just a couple reflection questions where you share inspiration from your walk. And we can keep it to either one word or one sentence. Okay. All right. If you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say and why? Ask for more money. Mm. And, uh, I would say that because a lot of times women tend to undercharge ourselves and our value. And typically when my clients send me their proposals, um, there are things that they're ready to pitch. I add a minimum of 20% to the top because they, they've typically undercharged themselves. So ask for more money for your services, for your time, for your fees, for the products on your website. You probably, it's probably time for an increase. Mm-hmm. Love it. Okay. Name one of the most worthwhile investments that you've ever made. And that could be money, time, energy. Ooh, it's probably uh, hiring a coach. Hiring Mm. a coach. That made the biggest change and impact on my business and saved me a lot of time. I might still be looking for the information that some of my coaches gave me. Mm. Okay. What new belief, behavior, or habit has improved your life in the last five years? One new belief that has improved my life is that I do not have to respond. You don't have to respond to everything. That yep. could be with your husband. That could be, <laughs> can be with your family. Mm-hmm. That can be with trolls online. Mm-hmm. And one thing about business, you put yourself out more and more and more. You have to expect that you're going to draw the haters out. Just mm-hmm. keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. Okay. Last but not least, what have you become better at saying no to? In the last five years. And that could be distractions, invitations, family. I've gotten a lot better at saying, no, I can't take this on my schedule right now. Mm-hmm. And in my heart of hearts, I love to see people happy, especially people that I care about, women that I work with. I just love to see them happy. I love to see them prosperous. I love to see them be able to pay a bill. I mean, it, it warms me like nothing else. Like, hey, I'm able to send my child to private school or I'm able to work from home now because I have a solid business and I'm going to homeschool my child. Like that is amazing for me. But I overgive sometimes because I want to make people so happy. And then I find at the end of the day, I'm super depleted. I can't do that anymore because I'm married now. And it's like another person to think about, which is my first priority. So I have to say no a lot more to adding things to my schedule. Like, no, I actually can't fit that in. No, I cannot. Actually, I don't have the time to actually, you know, to do that. My schedule is already packed. So Mm -hmm. time. I love it. Wow. Thank you, Christy, so much for giving us all of those gems. I truly appreciate you taking the time to even share and, and have this conversation today. Oh, you are so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Toronto has shown me so much love. I don't know. I had no idea. 
I had no idea. And it's just been an amazing, warm welcome and experience. We loved it so much when we came uh, last year in May. That's why mm-hmm. I decided to do Global Power Tour two months later. <laughs> and the weather was great. And my husband was like, we might need to come here once a year. It was a quick flight. The mm-hmm. weather was great. And it was a very warm uh, welcome. So, yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, I mean, you definitely need to come more often. And I can't wait to the next, well, till these borders open up. So then you can come back and visit. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Lunch will be on me when you come. <laughs> mm. absolutely thank you and to all of you faith walkers out there until next time subscribe on all platforms and don't forget to rate the show and leave us a review on apple Podcasts. join the community of faith walkers and sign up for our weekly newsletter at awalkamystilettos.com and be sure to grab one of my personal development books available online everywhere and i know you can think of at least three people that would receive so much value from hearing christy's story today so make sure you share it with them And feel free to screenshot this week's episode and you can tag us on Instagram. You can tag Christy at Women CEO Project and you can tag myself at The Real Bikini Smith and continue to walk in greatness in your stilettos in a manner worthy of your calling.